Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host Stephanie Preisner and today I have a podcast that a lot of you have been asking for on electric vehicles. Many of you wanting to make the switch, wondering is it sensible, is it financially viable, will it will they will they make the range that you need? Um, so in order to answer all of your questions, we have Shane Prendergast who is the project manager for electric vehicles for the SEAI. Shane, thank you so much for coming into studio to talk to me. Hi Stephanie, thank you very much for having me. Uh, so I, I wonder where we should start. Um, I, so I have an electric car. Uh, I have an Ion Dionic 5 for the last couple of months and what I noticed was that when I was moving to an electric car, it was a totally different shopping process than buying a petrol or diesel car because when I was buying petrol or diesel it was just like what car do I want what can I afford and what colour would it would I like it to be in but you really have to make different decisions don't you when you're thinking of going electric Oh 100% it's, kinda, it's a change in habit to what you'd normally think about when you're looking to buy a petrol or diesel car as you said you go in you look for the colour, you look for the engine size, whether it's petrol or diesel, and that's it. You're in, out, you're done. There's no issue with it. But when you're talking about electric vehicles, I find a lot of people kind of, they, they come across and start thinking that it's actually a very complicated process where they go to. And I, I can understand why they feel that way. And it's a little bit of education, information needs to be put out there probably more prominently on it. But it's I, I'm kind of I always advise them. It's actually a lot simpler than you think. There's a handful of different areas that need con- consideration, and I suppose the most apt one to start with is probably the with the recent fuel price increases. Is probably the financial side, the money side, because it's quite a large sum of money you're going to part ways mm-hmm. with when you're buying a car. And I, I would always look at it with two considerations for an electric vehicle: how much is this going to cost me? And are there actually savings that they talk about? Are they actually real savings out there? So there's kind of two ways of looking at that. And the first one is, as we mentioned, it's that initial price of the car, that upfront retail price is, is substantially higher than a petrol diesel car. I'm not going to argue with anyone on that. It's actually yeah. a fact. But what we find is you need to switch from just zoning in on that initial price, that retail price yeah. that you're going out with. And you start to need to think a little bit differently with electric vehicles. You need to look at the lifespan of the car. And actually with the lifespan, what we're noticing now is that people who buy electric cars are actually holding on to them a lot longer than if they bought a petrol or diesel car. So you're actually getting more savings over the lifespan. So you kind of jump in and start thinking, well, how do I fuel this? So you're looking at the charging costs. Now in Ireland, over 80% of charging is actually done at home. Is and that goes across Europe and the world. So that's kind of the cheapest way to charge is at home. And that's your domestic charge point. So we actually provide grant funding to help install a home charger of up to 600 euro towards the purchase and installation costs as well. And typically, on average, you're probably looking at somewhere between nine and 1200 for an average installation. But So you take 600 off that? You take 600 yeah. off that and that's your cost to fuel your car, to have, well, to have a point to fuel your car. But 
for say your annual fuel costs, whatever they may be for all the different people out there, you can actually save up to, and in some cases actually more than 80% each year. So you're starting to see that 80% is actually starting to eat into the disparity between the price of an electric car and the price of say a petrol car. Then you start looking at more things like the maintenance costs, which are substantial on all cars regardless, but with an electric vehicle, there's actually a massively reduced number of moving parts so you actually are reducing your maintenance costs each year. Does that mean that like there's less things that are likely to go wrong because you don't have combustion engines and stuff? Yeah, you don't have your combustion engine, you don't have your piston rings, your ball bearings, there's no oils and oils. But does that like mean that, that you, you still have to get them serviced, don't oh, you? Oh, you do, of course. Oh, yeah. and, but it's more, you're looking at things like you have your brakes, your brake fluids, your bulbs, your wipers. There's like there'll be over 10,000 10, moving parts in an mm-hmm. internal combustion engine where you'll be kind of coming more in around 1,000 to 2,000 moving parts in an electric vehicle. So there is a massive difference there. And I would actually probably estimate as you could get somewhere close to even 50% reduction in that cost. Mm-hmm. And then they actually, the fully electric vehicles qualify for the lowest rate of motor tax as well, which is 120 euro per year. And it's probably a good time now to start mentioning the different incentives out there as well. Because in Ireland, we actually have quite a generous suite of incentives at the moment. It would be one of the highest in Europe Europe for the different incentives out there. And one which kind of sticks out to me, and it it isn't talked about too much, is actually the toll reduction incentive. So if you have an electric car, you can actually save up to 50% on your tolling costs each year. Now, if you're going through the M50 or the different motorways across to get to work each each day that's builds up over the year how does that do you have to register or does the do they know when you drive under that's an electric car so they charge you less you register your tag so it's your electronic tag Mm -hmm. and that clicks it's an electric car knock off 50% off of the total cost and that is capped now so it's only up to 500 euro a year but that's a substantial saving each year as well and then, if you look, we actually, on the purchase price as well, we actually provide grant funding of up to €5,000 towards the cost of that. So that is, again, reducing that disparity in the price. But you do have to be careful when you go into the garages to shop around. They do sometimes have that €5,000 <laughs> already reduced. So what you're looking at is the that lower price with the price already reduced. Definitely. I got caught there. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of people see it as well. So you just... I'd say just when you're talking to the staff member of the dealership just asking is that with or without the grant, the grant that price and then you can't go too far wrong with it. But what we have developed at SEAI is we've developed an online calculator, a total cost of ownership calculator. So if you go on to driveelectric.ie and go on to the compare and calculate page, you can actually select up to three electric vehicles and the site will actually calculate and compare that back to a default petrol vehicle for you and it'll show you a very accurate estimation of what your total cost of ownership over 10 years on these cars could be and what are your savings you could make and the results are actually phenomenal if you want to look at it you'll see that the EVs more than wash their own faces when compared to the petrol and diesel and in a lot of cases they're actually saving you money over the lifespan and that's including the upfront price of it as well. A lot of people ask questions about that sort of 10 year lifespan and the fact that if you're going to invest in a new car or an electric car that, um, you know, you're going to you're going to want to have it for longer. Is there because it's sort of a new technology, are there studies on like how long this battery is going to last and what the resale value is going to be? Because if I keep my Hyundai for eight years and I try to sell it on, how much how depleted will the battery be and will someone want to buy it or is it like selling an eight year old iPhone? 
Yeah, look, it's a valid point, and because it is still that emerging technology, the inf- the research and the reports are only kind of starting to be generated and come out at the moment. And like, if you look at the warranties that are offered on the batteries alone, they're five, six, seven, eight years over a hundred thousand kilometers in the in the main from all the manufacturers, and they're not going to get it too far wrong. They're yeah, not going okay. to get caught to be paying out whatever it is under warranty for them. But what? Initially, people were looking at it. It was around that seven, eight years, but they're actually outperforming that at the moment. So it is kind of the 12 to 15 years. That's the sweet spot, really, for the battery life in the electric vehicles. But what you can actually do then, what is quite interesting then, is you could actually reuse those batteries. They can go into a second life as, say, a battery storage in someone's home or you'd be used as battery storage. Okay, where they don't need as much energy. Yeah, they don't yeah. need as much energy, like, if you look at all the warranties, the capacity is 70, 75%. They're all, all the warranties are when they drop below that. So once you get down a little bit past that, it, you can actually use those batteries again and reuse them into that, as I said, the battery storage for the house. If you have solar PV, if there are wind turbines and it's blowing at night and there's no one using the energy, they mm-hmm. can be then stored into these batteries. And there's actually quite an interesting trick there. Well, not a trick, but maybe there's interesting PR activity by Nissan a few years back. The Ajax soccer team, they were playing a Champions League soccer match at night. So what Nissan did, they brought in a load of Nissan Leafs, plugged them all into the stadium and powered them from the from cars the ba- themselves, car from the car battery. So you can see how they can integrate into society and can make it a more circular economy for the people involved. So after that five-year warranty, do you, do we know yet? This might be an unfair question to you, but do you know yet how much it costs to replace the battery? Like we know how much it costs to replace a timing belt if that goes in a combustion engine car, or to replace an engine, and sometimes that can be the deciding factor of like, well, actually, the car is written off. Do we know how much it costs to replace the battery at this point? It's a, it's very difficult to say at this point because the costs are going to be different, and they're from, still all under warranty, really. Yeah, from different manufacturers. But you could, pro- I would estimate somewhere between five to ten thousand euro, is where you're going. But as the technology evolves, it mightn't be a b- as big a job to replace a whole battery. They might, you might use kind of digital scanning to see. Well, there's a couple of cells within the battery that are actually uh, yes, default, okay. and they might be able to just replace some of those. But you're also seeing there's a lot of research and development going on in technology, battery technology at the moment, and they're moving starting to look at moving away from the current physical makeup of the battery to a more solid state battery which will actually increase the energy density again and that's going to boost ranges phenomenally as well and there's I think there's a few trial vehicles out there at the moment to see how the technology is working for them as well. We'll talk about range now because I think that's like range anxiety is something that's still hang up. I'll just talk about my car because I know it. Uh, So the Hyundai Ioniq 5 advertises itself as having 480 kilometres on a full battery. Um, Our experience is that because Ireland is kind of a colder climate and cold and wind and those sorts of things do affect the battery, we're getting about 440. That's what it is. Um, And we can easily drive on a, like we can easily it, I think it takes about 60% of the battery to drive from Dublin to Mallow where I live or across to Mayo um, and that was my biggest fear the reason I didn't go electric sooner was because I didn't want like in an emergency situation to have to drive down to Cork and have to stop in Cashel for half an hour to charge the car <laughs> um, I wanted to, to be reliable but now that the range is is higher um, you know I, I think it's amazing but 
if you were just someone who lived in Dublin, who all your family were in Dublin and or who, who lived in Cork and all your family were in Cork and you only really ever went to, you know, did a big drive maybe once or twice a year. There's no way that you'd need that range, really, because you'd never use it. No, completely right. Like I said, Ireland is actually a fantastic small, yeah. case for an EV because it's a small island. And yeah, look, probably three, four five years ago, range anxiety was a valid concern. But I would I would probably say it isn't really anymore and it's more kind of in, in people's minds that it is that it is that barrier that still exists. Because if you look at the difference in the cars that are there in the market at the moment, you're looking, as you said, four hundred plus kilometers to one charge. So that there's nowhere really in Ireland you're gonna travel in one day more than four hundred kilometers, to yeah. be fair. And like, even if you we we always get the question that well, what if I'm going up to Belfast? What if I'm going to Dublin? What if I'm going up doing my Christmas shopping in the the big city to get it all sorted? It's like, how am I going to do that? My car won't go up and back. That's 100%. And I would completely agree with you for a lot of them. The car mightn't make it up and down depending on how far you're going. But you're not going up and turning around and coming straight back down. You're, yeah. you're actually stopping and your car is going to be stationary for however many hours you're in doing the shopping or you're visiting family or you're going to an appointment, whatever it may be. So as I always tell people, don't stop to charge. Charge when you stop. Mm-hmm. So it it's about kind of switching that habit and behaviour. And that's again. the thing. It's the behaviour. Because yeah. we're used to just pulling into a petrol station, filling up five minutes, in and out the door, done. But you sort of have to just change your approach. Like if you're going to a hotel, ring the hotel, see if they have an electric charging point, see where the charging point is. Um, like Noel had to do some work on his laptop um, and he was travelling for work. He was travelling to Galway and he just pulled in at one of the plazas. They have an Ionity network there, which is the f- super fast yeah. charging. So I think it cost him... Uh, so it, the whole car charged in basically 25 minutes, which is really, really fast. But you do pay extra then for that. I think it was around 18 euro which is still remarkable for what you would be paying in petrol. Um, but it's also about, you know, like if we're doing a long drive, we tend to stop like and eat something or you just factor that in, I guess. Yeah, 100%. It's just, it's a little bit of more planning. Yeah. You sit down, like there's some great apps out there to show you where all the public charges are in Ireland. And you can just say, right, there's two along the way there. You make, you're like, well, am I going to stop? Am I going to get a bit of food along the way? Will I want a coffee or a tea? I always tend to have to stop to either go to the toilet or I'm feeling hungry or I just want to drink or I just want to stretch my legs. And I'm like, I, like I'm from Tipperary myself and that's what, about 180 kilometres from Dublin and I'm often driving down in an EV. So I just like, yeah, these are the few points. And once you do it once or twice, yeah, it gets you second have nature. That. Yeah, you just get used to it and it just becomes your new habit for Will you driving. explain to people how the, how the different batteries work and how the different charges work? Because I think some people think that you know they hear oh you can charge it in 30 minutes on an Ionity charger and they think that that's how it'll happen at home just explain to people just the different kilowatt yeah, 100%, situation 100% like I, I nearly always start with people by explaining the differences between the EVs that are out there themselves so I, the way I we would see it is there's kind of three main types of EVs you have your fully electric vehicles or your battery electric vehicles which they're solely powered by an electric motor and electric battery and you fuel them by actually plugging into the, an electricity source and you can actually access the renewable electricity that's on Ireland's grid as well through that so we often tend to refer to that as plugging into the wind which is, is interesting but it also means that the more we green our grid the more efficient the cleaner electric vehicles actually become as well 
So then the second category is your plug-in hybrids. So these are a combination of a fully electric vehicle and a petrol or diesel vehicle where you have a smaller battery, smaller motor than a fully electric vehicle, but you also have an internal combustion engine, a petrol engine or diesel engine on it as well. So that you can fuel that by going to your local garage and getting your petrol or diesel or by plugging into the electricity source. And how in those ones do you decide I want to travel electric today? I don't want to be wasting the diesel. And what's the range on those? Yeah, like most of them, you can flick between the two modes or some of them will be built in that, say, once you use your electricity is used first, once that's gone, it then switches over. Or is, it, is there a thing about speed or anything? No, like, no, they, no. They, that would be on the next category. Okay. You, you would often see a thing of speed on it. And the next category then is your, what you call your milder conventional hybrids. So again, a smaller battery and motor again than your plug-in hybrid and a larger petrol or diesel engine. Now you can't fuel or charge this car by plugging it in. It's actually the battery, the electricity in the battery is generated by the petrol or diesel engine and the motion of the car. Now there are limitations to these where if you go over certain speeds, it will move from your electric mode. Or if you're, it'll run out, you'll only get a couple of kilometres really out of those yeah. electric batteries. We had one of those, size. we had a Toyota RAV4 hybrid yeah. and it wasn't, we didn't really notice much. Like if we were driving in back-to-back traffic where we weren't really moving at all, yeah. you could kind of see a benefit. But I think in those situations, you wouldn't be using much petrol either. So yeah. I, I just, we didn't see much of a saving on it. Yeah, that's it. A lot of, whether you go electric or not can come down to your driving. Mm-hmm. Like if you're driving thousands of kilometres a week, is an electric car for you? It could be if you're willing to do the due diligence, plug it in, charge it overnight, similar to you, you would charge your mobile phone to have it. But I would say the vast majority of people, there is an electric vehicle out there that's suitable and convenient for them as well. Because a lot of people forget about the convenience of an EV. You're no longer looking for your petrol station. You're coming home, you're plugging in your car you're coming out in the mornings fully charged ready to go what about people yeah who say like god there's not enough electric there's not enough uh, network public network for me to have an electric vehicle I think those people don't understand that you plug like you mainly charge it at home yeah like over 80% of charging is actually done at home so you're, you're not going to use it but they said if you are travelling quite a long distance you might use it so as you said if you're staying in a hotel ring ahead find a hotel that has a charge point is there one outside the street is there a public charging network close by where you can use the fast chargers and you're only sitting there 20-25 minutes having your cup of tea or coffee or as you said reading a paper doing a bit of work and you can sort you out we kind of just to kind of bring it back a small bit we would often categorise the charging into four separate areas so if you're home charging which as we said most over 80% is actually done out and it is the cheapest way to charge your car as well. It does take a, a good few hours though. Yeah, it does. There's, there's kind of two kilowatt rated charges you can really get. One would be around 3.6 kilowatts and the other one would be about 7, 7.2 kilowatts because most homes operate in what they call single phase electricity. So you need to understand the timings around the charging of that. You just kind of take whatever kilowatt hours your battery is, whether it's 40, 60, 80, and you just divide the kilowatts rated on the charges into it. So if you're so getting... So say R-Ionic, I think, is a 72 kilowatt, would that be? Or yeah, yeah so that would be roughly in so the So it's a 72 ballpark. kilowatt battery. Yeah. I don't know how many kilowatts our house, our charger is. Yeah, but say it was seven, you're yeah. probably looking at 10-ish hours, roughly, give or take. Like, yeah, so. and we charge it overnight. It costs us 
uh, I think once we went from like zero to a hundred, generally we kind of go from like eighteen. You know, we yeah. wouldn't let it go down to zero, and it costs us nine euro and twenty cent. Yeah, which, for the full charge, which is absolutely and that lasts phenomenal. us two weeks. It's that's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, driving like, around Dublin because even like you'd see you hear people talking, but she's put in over a hundred euro into me petrol or diesel tank lately, and you're like, what? If you make the switch to electric, you can, as you said, be paying 10 euro for almost the same thing, you know, yeah. or if you feel that you're getting more distance out of a petrol, fill of petrol, you just can double the cost of the charging there to up to 20 euro and you're still, you're saving 80, 90 quid yeah. for each Yeah, no, no, it is it's an incredible saving. Taking a break from the show to tell you about our sponsor, HumdingerMortgages.ie, your new gaff without the faff. Humdinger are an award-winning mortgage brokerage and they specialise in finding the right mortgage for you. The best part is that you deal with the broker and they deal with every major bank in the Irish market so you don't have to trawl around talking to loads of people. They also make the best recommendation on what's the best way to proceed for you specifically and they stay at your side to help you at every step of the way from application to drawing down your mortgage. They're in the mortgage business, right? Not the application business. They have absolutely no interest in putting you through the ringer and getting you to fill out loads of forms without getting a mortgage at the end and they're really honest from the get-go about what the problems might be with your application but then they don't abandon you they will stay by your side and give you the best advice on how to make sure that you are successful the next time you apply they specialise in helping first-time buyers people looking to trade up and people like me who are looking to save ourselves some money by switching our mortgage for a better rate and like for me I'm going to switch my mortgage I'm working with Humdinger because like a reduction of even 0.5% on my mortgage rate can save me like 30 grand in interest over the whole term of my mortgage mortgages are the biggest financial decision you are ever going to make so take advantage of speaking to experts and go to humdingermortgages.ie to begin your journey so while I have you, I'm going to take the opportunity to um, take you hostage for a minute and tell you about the merchandise that we are selling. We have notebooks and pens, which are branded with the basically branding and you should buy them. You should buy them because it's a lovely notebook. Who doesn't need a notebook? If you are a Headstuff podcast member, if you buy the notebook, you get the pen for free. It supports me. It supports the podcast. It supports the producers, the people who work on the show and means that we can continue to make these podcasts and give them to you for free. If you want to become a Headstuff podcast member, if you get a lot from the podcast and you think, God, I'd like to support Stephanie and the podcast, you can become a Headstuff podcast member for €5 plus that. uh, Or you can give more if you want to. Go to headstuffpodcast.com and you can click register there and you pick a podcast. You can pick up to three podcasts. If you pick three podcasts, what happens there is that the €5 that you're giving gets split between the three podcasts that you're supporting. Or you can pick just one podcast, say you pick my podcast, then you'll get my bonus material for free and all of the bonus material for all of the other podcasts on the network. So it's a really, really good deal. Five euro, all of these special podcasts. So if you want to do that, do it. I'll be very, very grateful. The people who are in the community, the Headstuff podcast members are my favourite people. They support the podcast. They mean that you can listen to this podcast for free. It's five euro a month. I'm going to stop talking now, but I really appreciate your support. Thank you. Oh, and also, if you cannot afford to support the podcast, but you want to support the podcast, you can also give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a good review or share the podcast with two other people. That's it. Just send the podcast to two other people who will listen to it, who you think will benefit from it. That helps to get our listeners up, which helps us get sponsorship. It's all how it works. And uh, yeah, I'd be really grateful if you do that too. Bye. While I have you, I want to tell you about another podcast on the network that I think you might enjoy. 
Sissy That Pod. So if you like RuPaul's Drag Race, you're going to love this podcast. Sissy That Pod serves up drag race recaps for the UK, US and all-star series of RuPaul's Emmy Award winning show. Not only that, but the hosts James and Kean, they also cover drag race spin-off shows for their Head Stuff Plus bonus episodes. So if you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, then this is the show to subscribe to. Have a little listen. My name is Keen, And I'm James. And we host Sissy That Pod. Sissy That Pod is a fun, informative and comprehensive companion podcast into the world of the queer and colourful cultural behemoth that is RuPaul's Drag Race. Join us every week as we cover the current season of the show, All Star 7, through the eyes of two queer Irish fans. Or scour through our back catalogue wherever you get your podcasts or on headstuffpodcast.com to check out the other seasons we've covered. But for now, start your engine. It's time to crown an ultimate queen. Sorry, to go back to your four different categories of charging, continue there. Yeah, so the second one is kind of your on-street charging. So that's what you see when you go into the shops in town, you pull up on the main street in the town and there's this thing sticking out of the ground beside you. Can I ask you, do you have to pay for parking at those if you're charging? Do you know that? Sorry, you might not know. Yeah, it depends where. Okay. Some councils of jurisdiction where you might have to charge some where you don't charge but if you just contact your local council or look at the signpost you'll see whether you do or don't need yeah. to charge but you there's also you hear clamping happening incorrectly at them as well okay so it's it's an interesting area at the minute but it's, it's probably more of a council jurisdiction yes, than, okay, than, sorry. than myself is all yeah but uh yeah so those on-street charges they would usually charge at say 11 kilowatts or 22 kilowatts because they operate in the three phase electricity which is Instead of the single phase, you got three separate phases, which they, you can power the charge point. And most of them, you'll have dual sockets, so you can charge two cars at the same time. The third section then, or the third category, is what we call your destination charge. Now, destination is very broad. It could be a hotel, a car park, a supermarket, your local library, if you're in, getting a few books and you plug into the charge point. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar to the on-street stuff because it's charged at the same rate. The last category then is what's called fast or ultra fast charging as well. So that's anything above 50 kilowatts. So once you get above 50 kilowatts, you're moving from your AC, your alternating current charging into your DC, your direct current charging. So these ones, the main vast, the vast amount of the ones in Ireland are actually 50 kilowatts. But as you said, we're starting to see the more high power charging, your 100 kilowatts, 150 kilowatts. And in some cases with the Ionity, you're 350 kilowatts. Yeah, it's absolutely rapid. Yeah, yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah, You're really starting to hit those, getting 100 kilometres in five minutes, 10 minutes when you're up at those prices. Now, you do pay more for them, which... Which is fair is enough. Fair like, enough. Because you're paying for the convenience of the speed. Yeah, and you're getting yeah. more power. And you're, you're doing it so power. infrequently, you know. That's it, but something to always remember is that for the first three categories mentioned there, your home, your on-street and your destination, you need to have the cable with you. So you need to take the cable out, plug it into your car and plug it into the charging unit. Our home one is tethered, so our home one actually has a cable on it, yeah. Yeah, so you will have tethered options as well. But if you're using the on-street stuff in particular, you need to plug it in both ends. So make sure when you are actually talking to the dealer, make sure that there is that cable in there, that tight two socket cable. Does that not come with all cars? Uh, Most of them, it would, but there has been occasions where I've heard it hasn't and they have to go back. Right. But the likelihood is they are standard now, but just to make sure and for people so that is just something to consider and make sure you are talking about it but for yeah the f- because you're used to driving up to a petrol pump and the pump being there and you're just yeah. sticking it in but you need actually exactly. the cable as well which uh, 
exactly, which is very similar then to your fast, your ultra fast charging, where you just you drive up to it, you swipe your card, or you go onto your app, whatever way you're using, and you take the cable from the actual charge point itself and plug it into your car. So it was very similar to a petrol tank in that regard. Uh, I want to talk about cost now, um, because. I feel like there's actually kind of a if anyone's considering buying a new car there's a there's an electric car kind of at all price ranges now which is amazing. Um and then I also want to talk about second hand market. So we'll start with um can you tell us some cars and there are loads out there if you're listening you can research this yourself. We're not sponsored or pushing any type of car here at all. We're just trying to give you some names um but we will obviously leave some off the list just because we're human. But like under, are there sort of under 30 grand options here? Yeah, actually there are and there's more starting to come in the market here. If you look at one of the original EVs that came to the country, the Renault Zoe, I believe that that operates, begins operating the price point around 25,000 and above. And does that get a grant as well then? It does, yeah. Every fully electric vehicle that costs less than 60,000 euro is eligible for a grant from But it would be less than do, like are, is it all a 5,000 euro grant or is it less for once under 30 grand? It's once you're eligible and it's a private purchase like myself yourself buying it it's 5,000 euro off. Even if it's only 30 grand? Even if it's only 30 oh, grand. Oh that's great. But as we said just make sure when you're chatting to your dealer is it with or without, without the, grant, the grant that yeah, price. Yeah. And if you look more recent ones that have come if the Peugeot E208 the Opel E Corsa they're all operating in that kind of 25 to 30 35 price point and you're, you're getting decent range for those as well you're probably getting somewhere between depending on the car 250 to 350 range as well which is quite good and when you're hitting the kind of the upper end of that 30 35 price point you're moving towards the Nissan Leaf which everyone knows was one of the biggest EVs and yes. probably still is one of the biggest selling EVs Nissan Leafs is there something about their battery? I feel like they're plugged in. I feel like they are... You, you see some electric cars plugged in and they're plugged in for an hour somewhere in town and you're like, right, I'll come back. But it seems like Nissan Leafs just take up all the parking spaces. Is it just because there's more of them or does it take longer to charge them? Yeah, I, I have to say it's just because there's so many of them oh, out right, there. Okay. Like when EVs started, came in 2010, 2011, it was the Nissan Leaf was the first one here. So it has that 12, 13 years, years of, on just everyone of everyone else. And see the Renault Zoe came in then and you started to see them build from there but there's just so many Leafs out there they probably make up over half the EVs in Ireland I would okay. say just time wise so they're up to the they're like around 30 f- it, it depends they come in two options so 40 kilowatt and 62 right, okay. kilowatt so I, I think they start around the 30 35 and then they move upwards till you're getting into the 62 kilowatt hour so in the kind of 30 to 50 price bracket what have we got there the Yes, so the edge kind of your leaf, you'd have your Hyundai Kona. There's, yes. You would have also have your Kia e Nero is in there. And there's a good number of other ones as well. But it's when you get kind of up towards the top end of that, that 40 to 50 to 60, that's where the bulk seems to be coming out at the moment and aimed at. Like you'd we test drove an MG, actually. And yeah. The, the, I see them everywhere and the dealer was saying to us like oh and the reason we didn't go for it was not for any fault of it like it was actually a very impressive car for the price point it was only like 30 something I mean only but like comparatively the bells and whistles that it had were very similar to some of the 50 grand cars and I remember the dealer saying to us like every single taxi driver is going to have this car because the incentive for taxi drivers is so high I think it's the grant is much bigger yeah and it's such a low price car comparatively but 
the waiting list. He was like, if you wanted this, you wouldn't be having it till January. Yeah. Next year. Yeah, that's it. Like I forgot to mention the MG one as well. There, but it's an extremely good car. It's relatively new into the market in Ireland as well. And it looks like an SUV. It looks kind of like a Jeep. It's a bigger yeah. Car they, as well. I think they have two or three different models out there as mm-hmm. well in the fully electric. And I'm here. I've heard great reports about them as well, and they are fantastic price point for what you're actually getting for it as well. And yeah, you're it's just going around Dublin there you can on the way in there you see nearly every second second taxi you see taxi is, is it's an EV because yeah, yeah. they just there's there's great incentive there for the taxi drivers. So then we'll go to the like fifty plus range. Yeah, so when you're kinda of hitting around the fifty you're 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 getting into your kind of Kia E V six, there's the you'd have your Volkswagen ID four, some of the new BMWs would be coming in on that price point as well. You just go to Enyaq now they're kinda of in around a lot of them, there's a, a big variance depending on how many optional extras or additions yes, you the, throw the on. the that you're getting in the, the leather different. seats and things like that yeah. you put on. So you could say that 45 to 60 is a big amount of variance between the different manufacturers that they have a lot of offerings within that. So And they're all, all these cars are winning cars of the year when they come out as well because they're absolutely fantastic. A lot of people don't take into account the drivability of an EV. Yeah. The actual fun factor. Well, it's I have to say, it's like... It's kind of scary sometimes. It's like a remote control car. It just takes off. I have had to adjust my driving because I used to drive a diesel car and you'd really kind of have to put your foot down on the clutch yeah. like. But this is like <laughs> you kind of have to be, they're, they're so fast. Like Yeah, it's the higher torque on them. It's that instant acceleration. And it does have that fun factor. But you just need to, again, it's that little switch in your driving style as well. Yeah. But I have also like, it sort of has turned into, I feel like I'm in a Game Boy sometimes. Like I'm, like it's gamified driving for me so I'm trying to beat the battery you know yeah. so like because when you break anytime you break an electric car you're sort of like recharging the battery because it's using the energy that potential energy that you haven't used and it's using the braking to sort of recharge the battery so like you know my battery might be at say 15% and it says I have 100 kilometres and I'm like okay well I'm going to try and drive 6 kilometres and not let that go down from 100 so that it doesn't <laughs> go and it <laughs> So like I'm definitely driving safer and more slowly, but I am conscious that when I'm driving slowly in the city, pedestrians cannot hear the car and it is really dangerous. If you're driving in any sort of pedestrian area, people have headphones or even if they don't have headphones, they just don't hear it coming and it can be kind of disconcerting. That's one thing that I have sort of had to adjust to. Yeah, like 100%, you don't have that growl of the engine that people are used Mm -hmm. to hearing. So it it's not just the drivers that have to kind of switch their behaviour and habits the pedestrians the cyclists it's all kind of going that way even the electric bikes out there as well but they need to just be a little bit more aware but what is interesting is there's actually legislation out there now called the AVAS system that has to be on electric vehicles now that they have to emit a certain decibel of sound yeah there's like a hum I I can recognise the Renault Zoe's one they they have them already yeah Um, and ours has a reverse beeping sound so that people can hear it reversing because it yeah. doesn't make any noise. Talk to us about the second-hand market. I know that the SEAI grant isn't available if you buy a second-hand car. No. But is there a second-hand market for electric vehicles? It, there, there is, but it's it's only... like New EVs are only emerging now, so the second-hand is only following because on. people and are keeping them for longer as well. People are keeping them for longer, but it will get there. It's just not as robust as the new market is there, but... The residual value in that second-hand market is absolutely phenomenal at the moment. Like they're really holding their value well, and 
what we you will start to see over the next few years is the businesses that have gone with their electric vehicles. Yes, they okay. would usually have, say, maybe a three, four, five-year turnaround on their cars. So they will be starting to move into that second-hand market. Okay. So Like it, if you bought a fleet? like Yeah, like if you bought a fleet. So you will start to see the emergence of this second-hand market and they'll be getting more and more plentiful. Like if you Even if you look at, say, Dundee, there's... There's hundreds and thousands of EVs actually on it second hand at the moment. But if you, I would say, if you are buying a second hand EV, make sure you're aware of the actual range and real world range of that car and make sure it will fit with your driving. How can you check that? Because, I mean, if you're buying off a dealer, they'll probably be very upfront about that because yeah. you can always come back to them. But if you're buying privately, like, you know, because my, my car might say 480, but yeah. I'm not getting 480 because it's cold and the battery is cold. But yeah, is there so, a way of checking? So I would definitely say contact the manufacturer mm-hmm. and see is there a way that you can just handily go in and check what capacity is left in that battery at the time. Like some of them, like like a fuel gauge for they might have on where they have loads of different bars on the left that when it's at max, say, there might be 10 bars, that's 100%. When it goes to 9, you're down to 90 mm-hmm. and so on. So you can have a track it that way or you can ask, if it is a dealership you're in, you could ask for an actual health check of the battery. And okay. they can plug into the OBD port like a normal service or NCT or whatever and they can get a readout to say, well, right, there's 80%, 85%. But always check as well how long's left on your battery warranty as well. Okay. Because if someone has bought it, there's an eight-year warranty and they sell it after five years, there's still a three years warranty provided the mileage hasn't been exceeded as well. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, anything else you think people should know? All I would just say is get behind the wheel, take one for a test drive because what, we, what I've seen firsthand so many times is the difference in people from before the first drive in an EV to after it. When they get out, they have this grin on their face after they drive and an EV we call that the EV grin these days because it's just such an enlightening experience they become very enthusiastic about them but that's the problem as well like if you can't like if, if, if an EV is not within your budget or like your family are not thinking of changing their car this year don't <laughs> test drive one because we did that and then it just became Noel's obsession where he's like now I have to get an EV and I was like okay but um, anything else yeah that you want yeah, people to know if people are thinking about it do the research do the maths even if you don't want to do the maths go on to drivingelectric.ie and have the maths done is for you is that driving electric driving electric.ie or seai.ie they'll bring it to the same okay. place and you can just compare it. And we actually we took it further than just your total cost of ownership tool as well we actually have a journey cost calculator so you can actually personalise your journeys whether you're doing the return journeys or the commute to work you're doing five days a week you can put it in five days a week you can put in a weekly trip to the shops your school trip mm-hmm. you can even add in your trips up to Dublin your trips to Cork Galway wherever you might be going and it will actually give you a personalised result showing you well if you're in a petrol or diesel this is what it costs you if you're in an electric this is what it would cost you and to be honest once you do the math it's, it just makes sense and do you think that the SEAI grant, that, like because obviously government want to incentivise people to switch to electric, do you think that that grant is only going to be here for a few years or do you think that it might, like more incentives might come? I would say at the moment we're probably at peak incentive because it's so generous out there at the moment. But looking at the SEAI grant in particular, it has been here since 2011. Okay. But last year there was the removal of the grant for the plug-in hybrid. Okay. So grants, in their essence, 
they're there to stimulate a market till it's essentially self-sustaining and then to be reduced to be removed. So it's not going to be here forever, but it will be. It is still here at it's the moment. Here. OK, Shane, thank you so much. Um, if people want to, apart from the website, do, do you do you have social media presence? Do Can people find you on social media to ask questions? Yes, we, we have a Facebook group, Your Energy Matters as well. We have a LinkedIn Sustainable Transport Forum. We're now recently on Instagram as well, just SEAI, and you'll find us there on all our social media channels. Or you can just contact us directly on evgrantscheme at seai.ie. Brilliant. Thank you so much. We will link those in the show notes so that you can find them, and we will tag you on Instagram when the episode goes out. Thank you for listening to another episode of Basically. I've been your host, Stephanie Preisner. That was Shane Prendergast. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Cahal O'Gara. We are produced by Julie Hassett and we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.